Hello, hello everyone. This is episode 12 of I'm Not Complaining. I'm just asking. It's our podcast. Welcome back everyone. Now, a couple episodes ago we were talking about the return of Major League Baseball and now it's the return of hockey. Heather, I know that you've had to hear from me on a daily basis of how deprived I am of sports. She's caught me watching classic ESPN and I'm watching old games. I was watching Korean baseball. Uh, Then we had the comeback of the NBA and now we have the NHL. And I feel as though the only time people watch hockey If you're not a hockey fan, would be either now or during the Stanley Cup playoffs Mm -hmm. and during the Olympics. Sure, because the Stanley Cup, that's like, you know, the culmination of the best of the best of the best. So that's interesting. And then the Olympics, well, it's everybody fighting for their home country. So, of course, you can immediately... um, get invested and relate so yeah i would agree i am so sad that we were deprived of the olympics this year and i mean i know that the athletes are as well Mm -hmm. because they gotta wait a whole nother year but i love competition so going back to hockey of course there are so many great movies that dramatize the game of hockey Miracle. Miracle on Ice. Miracle on Ice, which is a a retelling of the Olympic Games where America beat Russia during the Olympics. And that is starring Kurt Russell as the coach. And that's a great movie. But I'm sorry for us, the hockey movie that takes the crown forever will be the Mighty Ducks. For those of you who listen to this podcast and you don't know about the Mighty Ducks, I feel sorry for you. You have been deprived. Mighty Ducks was a movie made by Disney and it stars Emilio Estevez and Joshua Jackson and a cavalcade of wonderful child actors and seasoned character actors alike. And it's a totally fantastic ensemble. You could not take out one person and have the same movie. The the cast that is in the movie could not be any other way. And the one line used to describe Mighty Ducks is, a self-centered Minnesota lawyer is sentenced to community service coaching to a ragtag youth hockey team. Specifically District 5 in Minnesota. That's right. And this film, I believe, was filmed entirely on location in, in Minnesota, Minnesota. Yes. Which never happens. So that's why, that's another reason that it's so good. It's grounded in authenticity. In the credits... It actually says, thanks to the people in the state of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. The original Mighty Ducks came out in 1992. 
so I was seven years old, and we are not a hockey family. No. We live in Southern California. I believe there are two ice skating rinks I am aware of. We were more of of the inline skating, mm-hmm. rollerblading. Rollerblading. We had a lo- we have a local hockey team. Mm-hmm, the we goals. have the San Diego goals, but I love hockey and have an appreciation for it because of the Mighty Ducks. But I love the Mighty Ducks. And I think we're going to keep to the original film. And it is a trilogy. It is a trilogy. So um, the original movie came out in 1992. Um, the sequel, D2, The Mighty Ducks, came out in 1994. D3, The Mighty Ducks, came out in 1996. First off, let me just say that I, for one, appreciate that they did not even attempt to make two new titles because at the end of the day, everyone was just going to say, oh, it's Mighty Ducks 2. Oh, that one? Oh, that's Mighty Ducks 3. So they're nothing like trying to use some sort of duck pun in the title, the continuing saga of the Mighty No, they're like, no, 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 forget that. Just put, it, just put a number in front of it and call it a day. I believe that's what you call being self-aware. You were reading the room, Disney. Yeah. And you knew your audience. Well, I have to tell you, I don't think I have ever seen D3, the film. I I think that that's next on our Disney Plus, Heather. There's also um, (laughs) a, a Mighty Ducks cartoon series where they are actual ducks who play hockey. And they are the Anaheim Ducks. And that animated series came out in 1996. The same year as the third sequel. And it only has one season. Now my question, without doing any research, um, so I don't expect an actual factual answer, is I wonder if the cartoon series of the Mighty Ducks hockey team were actual ducks who play hockey, I wonder if they are part of the DuckTales Darkwing Duck universe. I don't know. It wouldn't seem out of the realm of possibility. Do the other TV shows have a crossover where they come in and attend a game? Right. Because I believe that Darkwing Duck was a character on DuckTales who then spun off. To get, his, to get his own series. So I I wouldn't say it's out of the realm. I mean, I would love it if it was like Scrooge McDuck was the owner of the team. Um, but again, I have done no research, so I don't know. But anyway, um, but yeah, so the, the plot for D2, the coach and the kids become a part, participate in the junior Goodwill Games. Which is like, the Junior Olympics. It's like JOs. Yeah. When Kara and I were writing down notes for this, Kara said, you know, like she just did, oh, 
That's like the J-O's. And end of sentence and stop talking. <laughs> and I was just like, I guess I'm supposed to just know what J-O's are. I went to J-O's, Heather. I went to J-O's for volleyball back in the day. If you said Junior Olympics, I would know what you were saying. Not everything has to be shortened to... It's just referred to as J-O's. Uh, yeah, because, you know... Because you're you're talking about them so much, yes. it just saves you time. Yes, yes. Anyway, and that so and that that's the, when they're in high school. Yes, the characters that were on the little league team, the Pee Wee hockey. hockey, are now in high school. Yes, they're about sixteen years of age, whereas in the first one they're about fourteen years old. Most of the like you say, most of the original cast is back. Um, uh, Emilio Estevez is back. Joshua Jackson is back. Um, and then in D3, they are the kids are like 18 years old. Emilio Estevez is in the movie. Joshua Jackson is in the movie. And the summary for that, the plot, spoiler alert, guys. Having won the Goodwill Games in D2, the kids are get scholarships yes to a prep school to a prestigious prep school so it's joshua jackson and the kids are going to this fancy school coach bombay has been offered and accepts a prestigious job on the board of the goodwill games the kids from the streets versus the ridge kids kind of deal it's like yes but also Joshua Jackson, a.k.a. Charlie, is angry at Coach Bombay for taking the job at the Goodwill Games because he's not going to have enough time to coach their team. What a selfish... (laughs) If I was offered a prestigious job to be in charge of making sure teams are following the rules, which is the point of of the first Mighty Ducks about learning about fair play. Now he's given the job to Umbrella and watch over and see over all these teams. How dare you, Charlie? I mean, I read that and I was like, are you kidding me? Seriously? I mean, okay, so we're kind of giving a hard stuff, but let me just say, he's been, Charlie's, a big part of Charlie's storyline in in the per- first movie is that he wants Coach Bombay to, at the very least, be in a relationship with his single mother and become a family. How is he going to support... How's Coach Bombay going <laughs> to support a family on the salary of a peewee hockey coach? Which, by the way, he probably isn't getting any money whatsoever because he was doing it for community service even though it was court ordered let's be honest he's not getting paid for it no (laughs) are you serious yes i understand that you've won a scholarship to go to school so he doesn't have the burden of paying for your education but what about food your mother's supposed to not eat. She's at work, supposed to wrap up leftovers from the diner that she works at. And you're going to on, nibble on French fry ends and day-old coffee grounds so he can tell you how to, how to coach? 
how to how to uh, be by the way this is number three i think he has passed on all his knowledge that he has he's just a man who's no former attorney he doesn't practice he's law a, anymore he's not just a he's not even a husband he's a never was his life is in oh god and he he rises from the ashes and is somehow working for the Goodwill Games, which for all purposes is a, a carbon copy of the Olympics. That's got to be at least a pretty oh, decent. Sorry, sorry, Charlie. I can't coach the, the, the team for free. I got to travel around the world. Right. With a really nice suitcase, I'm assuming. In a private jet. Shh. Stay at the Four Seasons. Right. 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 And your mom can quit her job cleaning ashtrays. Are you kidding me? And P.S. The other thing I read about part three is that Coach Bombay finds another coach to replace him who used to be in the NHL. So he finds, if not an equal equal replacement a better more skilled coach but, and it's just like are is, you serious which, to be honest as a coach <clears throat> you do want your players to be influenced and coached by different people because people have different skill sets sure and as you progress through the sport you need to be given more tools sure in your arsenal to use as you progress in the sport to sure. get better. If you're only coached by the same person year after year after year, you're not going to progress to the level no. that you need to. Right. Um, and I would also say if you're playing with the same group of players, it can go either really well or really bad. Well, seeing as they're so young, I mean, they're at the third one, they're just entering college i get i guess but you've been they they're like they're like 18 years at this point right so i mean i think like in a professional setting if like let's say if if they were the anaheim ducks yeah saying the same players is a good thing because you're not going to go any higher you are at the professional le professional level and your profession is to win games. That's and then, what you're getting paid to do. So that, that so then that situation, yes, you would want the same group of people because you would just get to know each other and better and better. And you trust and that bond. Exactly. And but you the, don't have to think. But these guys are children, and uh, assuming that they that their ultimate goal in life is to be a professional, then of course, yes. They should play with different people. They should play with different coaches because this is not where they are is not the end all be all. You're in Minnesota. Yeah, you need to change it up. You're not gonna stay together in a in a team sense. It's just very unrealistic. But I mean, anyway, we're not like we said. We're not even gonna really talk about those other ones because I, I we just did. But. As you mentioned before, I cannot imagine any other actor or actress in that role. And if you took that out, it's like a house of cards. Yeah. And while I was 
looking up the history of the Mighty Ducks of you know how it got made why did Disney pick it up Disney felt strongly enough to get their hand in the cookie jar of the sports arena um, and kind of step away from the animated for for a moment if that, I, if I may I'm sorry but I would use the analogy rather than the one <laughs> you said I, I I, I would use the analogy of get their fingers in the pies. I believe is more of the thing that you were going for. But because fingers in the pies, mean, for whatever reason, means that you're a part of something, you're getting a taste. Whereas hand in the cookie jar is where you're stealing something and trying not to get caught. So just, a, sorry, go ahead. You were saying that they were they had decided to to try a live action adventure. Sports, yes. Okay. So, some fun facts about the Mighty Ducks is the origin story of the Mighty Ducks script in itself. Okay. Is that the original draft Coach Bombay was an extremely dark main character it was originally a script that wasn't made for children it wasn't a comedy it was a revenge story okay it was a raging alcoholic hell-bent on revenge on his old coach for ruining his childhood and therefore his life I'd ha i have to say that's still intact i i'd watch that movie i mean but that's a pretty that's pretty much the through line of the movie that we have. Disney got approached with this script and said, do you want to make a serious film? And they said, I think that this is a great script, but let's make it a slapstick comedy. Mm. So Disney changed it from a dark or a darker drama mm -hmm. to a kid friendly comedy with physical jokes. So it makes sense to me when you say that the original version of the script, the fact that it was written for an adult audience translates to why I feel it has such staying power. It has a really well thought out plot line. Sometimes with kids movies, they're like, ah, it doesn't have to make sense, it's for kids. The parents are coming to see the film as well for sure so, so it I... needs to make sense and so when a movie is well thought out the person or people that wrote it cared in the first place to make it really well done it's gonna stay and it's gonna last and it's gonna live in the hearts of the people that watched it so when they were originally shopping the film they were also doing auditions with actors to play coach Gordon Bombay okay the first person that they asked was Bill Murray <laughs> that's fantastic so Bill Murray was the first person that was approached with the original script and he thought that he was too old to mm. play coach coach Gordon Bombay and he also said, I've never played ice hockey, and I'm not really that big of a fan, that, so it's not for me. That really surprises me, 
that he, I just feel like he's such a sports guy, um, obviously with Caddyshack, and he loves going to basketball games. I just feel like he would enjoy any sport. The next person that they shopped it to was Charlie Sheen. Wow. Who's also known for other great comedic sports roles. He was the wild thing. Yeah. Major League. In Major, Major League, which one and two. Charlie Sheen said, I kind of already done the sports thing. Just Let true. me give it to my brother and see if he would like it. And his brother is... Emilio Estevez. Also, while Charlie Sheen was passing on the role, they um, and Disney had purchased the rights, they approached and screen tested Tom Hanks and Michael J. Fox. Oh, yeah. I could see that for sure. Well, Tom Hanks, of course, did League of Their Own, uh, the baseball movie about the first uh, women's professional baseball league. I wonder, that seems like about the same time that they filmed. A League of Their Own came out in 1994. Okay. So maybe he was already filming that? Or in production, pre-production or something like that. Mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox, um, I could see that as well. Yes. Before Joshua Jackson... Mm-hmm. To play Charlie. To play Charlie. Charlie Conway. Before Joshua Jackson was selected, they test screened Leonardo DiCaprio and Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh. Jake Gyllenhaal was offered the part and his parents said, no, we don't want to go to Minnesota. <laughs> when the Disney casting agents asked the children, if they could skate and play ice hockey, overwhelming them, their response was, yeah, I'm great. I'm good at it. They went to do scouting of where they were going to film and shoot in Minnesota, and they said, hey, let's have a little shindig and have all the actors and have them meet each other and the parents. And They quickly found out that 75% of them had no idea how to ice skate. Well, of course, that's the old acting thing. They ask you if you can ride a horse, and you say absolutely. And then you try to figure out the t- when you need to film and when there's some stables nearby, and you go and learn how to ride a horse. So all of the actors and actresses that played the peewee hockey team, the actual Mighty Ducks, who suit up, <laughs> They had four months of hockey, ice hockey training before they even started filming. And of course they would have to do that, but also the producers probably didn't mind because the Mighty Ducks in the beginning are terrible. So it kind of matched up. That's true. But then given the montage and the storyline they become great sure. in a very short amount of time sure. so that's all they have both sides that they can pull from for motivation so the four months of pre-production of training the actors and actresses how to ice skate getting them used to each other and then also getting them acclimated to the climate of being in minnesota 
the actual production and filming of the Mighty Ducks, they only shot for four months. Mm. They shot this film in four months from January until April of 1992. And then the film came out during the Thanksgiving holiday Mm. season of 1992. So it was filmed, edited, and released to the public in the same year. Wow. Which is insane. And it cost $10 million to make. I believe we went and saw the Mighty Ducks in the theater. Oh, I would think so. Opening weekend, which I believe we were part of, (laughs) brought in $6 million. And nationally, or domestic, for the Mighty Ducks was $50 million. That is really great. I mean, that's a big success. Hence the three sequels. You mean two sequels? Well, I guess three if you count the the cartoon. Oh, well, yeah. You could say four because because of the success of the Mighty Ducks franchise, Disney ended up creating an actual professional real-life NHL hockey team in Anaheim. Owned by Disney called the Ducks. Mm -hmm, The Anaheim Ducks. And fun fact, the San Diego Goals is the official minor league team that feeds into the Anaheim Ducks. Birds of a feather got to flock together, I Uh guess. (laughs) So, of course, the great Emilio Estevez, who was a part of the 1980s movie, actor community known as the Brat Pack. So in the 80s, all, essentially it was all the young actors that were part of the John Hughes films. So if you were in 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club. Pretty in pink. Exactly. And um, yeah, so it, um, I really like Emilio Estevez. I think he's great in, ev- in everything he does. Yes, in the movie Night at the Roxbury with... Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan, and they regale them with the time that once they saw Emilio Estevez walking down the street, and it cracks you up every time because they're so excited. Which, P.S., if I ever met Emilio Estevez in real life, you would never hear the end of it from me because that would be a great day. But the, but the line, and who do you think we saw, and everybody's waiting, and they go, Emilio Estevez. Turns around, tips his hat like this, and walks away. We're like, Emilio! (laughs) And Emilio Estevez, as we mentioned before, is brothers with Charlie Sheen, our children. Martin Sheen. They have the same mother, they have the same father, they are brothers. Martin Sheen's actual real last name is Estevez. And Charlie Sheen's real last name is Estevez. Um, but Charlie Sheen decided to take, to ch- when he started acting, to change his name to Charlie Sheen um, in, to be like his dad, Martin Sheen. And Emilio Estevez liked his his birth name and oh, so good and he kept it anyway when you find out that Emilio Estevez is in 
Mighty Ducks, I, it's like I'm all in. So in the opening of the Mighty Ducks, mm -hmm. we are given a flashback Vaseline lens of young Gordon Bombay. Mm -hmm. It's his origin story. It's his origin story. Him in his Little Hawk uniform at the 1973 State Pee Wee Championship. We have a radio announcer uh, talking about how the game rests on the little shoulders of number nine, Gordon Bombay. Cut to the hot coach, Coach Riley, giving little Gordon Bombay a pep talk, which is really heavy. I, I wouldn't classify it as a pep talk. I would classify it as a threat. <laughs> you know, different coaches give different pep talks, and some consider pep talks to scare the ever-living daylights into you performing. I've had coaches like that. Coach Riley, ironically, is the same age in the flashback as he is in now. In, in current, the, current, in current time. Maybe, in like 30 years have passed. Maybe he, um, maybe he uses that uh, melon serum that Cindy Crawford keeps trying to shove on us. I guess. Using I mean, that, whatever using, his skin regimen is, is great, but he... He spends all day, every day, inside an ice rink. He doesn't go outside and see the sun. He's, so there's not a lot preserved. of UV, Not a lot of UV damage. That's true. Um, so Coach Riley tells little Gordon Bombay, Gordon, if you miss this shot, you're not just letting me down. You're letting the whole team down, too. And I'm like, oh, boy. Instantly, you are on the edge of your seat and going, going like, Wow, okay, so I don't know that much about hockey, but apparently it's a sudden death shootout. And I'm assuming that little Gordon is going to make this shot because, good God, if he, he, he will be the reason why they lose. Um, and then we see little Gordon take his shot. The puck hits the goalposts. Clang goes out. And he loses the game. He falls to his knees. And the other team is cheering. And you see Coach Riley shake his head and utter disappointment. So sad. Yeah, it's a rough way to start. So then we cut to a courtroom. And we quickly learn that it is grown up Gordon Bombay. Because they say Mr. Bombay. The judge refers to him. And, and, and then Bombay was um, written on the back of his hockey jersey. But he's missing the shot. So it's it's pretty much ingrained us that this is this now. Yes. So we find out that now lawyer, Mr. Bombay, he doesn't lose. He is a winner. He is 30-0. and 0. He is undefeated. They don't count the 30-1, and 1, the one loss. Did they ever explain what that was? It was so what, a clerical error in the reason why he lost the case. Oh. So it wasn't even his fault. I see. And the prosecuting attorney says, I don't mind losing as long as it's fair. Bombay says, losing is still losing. You gotta go for the W. Which means W standing for win. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And... 
Ducksworth, his boss, pulls him into the office and says, you're making a mockery and you need to win. You need to, quote, score. Don't spike. This isn't a game, Gordon. This is a business. Which I agree with that if you're, even though if you're a hotshot lawyer, you need to tighten it up a little bit. Yeah, at least while you're within the courtroom. You can be a great lawyer and, and be respectful, but mm-hmm. he's just making kind of a mockery. And mm-hmm. Ducksworth is kind of putting him in line. Mm-hmm. So now that Bombay is 30 and 0, mm-hmm. he goes out to celebrate. And we see him drinking and driving with an open container, blasting music with his car and his license plate saying, just win. Oh, wow. He gets pulled over, gets a DUI, um, because he says to the officer, it was a little, a little noisy. Which, by the way, I wonder, <laughs> I mean, it's it's in the script and they have an interaction about that, so it, it couldn't be an ad lib. But <laughs> I wonder when they did the first take and he rolled down the window and the guy with the, the police officer, you know, who's been hired to say three lines, if he rolled it down instead of whittle noisy, if the actor laughed because it's. First time you do it, it's probably really funny. <laughs> and that's not really the best thing that you should say to a police officer that's pulling you over while you are drinking from an open container and swerving on the icy roads oh, of Minnesota. Oh. So Bombay gets arrested for a DUI. He's put forth in front of the same judge and prosecutor that he just made a mockery of the day before in the courtroom. There's no loophole, no trial. Ducksworth tells Bombay, I've talked to the judge. We are going to put you on probation, 500 hours of community service, and you are going to be of service to the community. You will be teaching and coaching a peewee hockey league. And you are going to learn about fair play. This sets up the Mm storyline. His boss says, look, you're being a jerk. Mm -hmm. You need to learn to not be a jerk. Uh, His boss doesn't care, I feel, if he's a jerk. He only cares of the appearance that it gives his business. Right. You know, he doesn't, he's not really interested in genuine, I feel, genuinely making a personality change within him. He just wants him to be able to turn on and turn off a public facade for the sake of being a professional, I feel. And I think it gives the law firm a bad rep if their number one lawyer is getting DUIs. Right, exactly. It's all about appearances because, I mean, if he genuinely, if the boss genuinely was like, you have personality issues, um, he would say go to therapy. You know what I mean? Right. So, th- you know, anyway. Um, 
you seem to have anger issues and some other kind of emotional, deep-rooted things. Do you, let me ask you this. Are you having sepia tone flashbacks? <laughs> so from this, he is court ordered to be a peewee hockey coach. We get introduced to the players after we meet his driver. He's in a limo. We meet District 5. Kids practice on an outdoor rink. It's just a pond that is frozen over. It. Mm -hmm. But they're in Minnesota. So I, even though that sounds strange to us, I bet it's not strange at all. When the limo driver, driver asks Gordon Bombay where they should be looking for the practice pond, Gordon Bombay responds to just look for the sign that says personal hell. <laughs> so the limo driver, the character name is Lewis. Lewis the limo driver. And that actor is M.C. Ganey. And he's a great character actor. Um, you might recognize him from Con Air. He plays the character Swamp Thing who takes over as the pilot to fly the big airplane. And he also has a couple guest spots on the television sitcom Designing Women. Um, if you're familiar with that show, one of the only male characters on that show whose name is Anthony, he frequently throughout the series refers to his time of unfortunate incarceration. <laughs> That is, the, that is the catchphrase he uses. And he always refers to his cellmate, the cellmate T. Tommy Reed. And it's always these horror stories of this. You imagine. And it's one of those things where they then you never see him. And there's always these stories about him, about how big he is or how tough he is, how intimidating he is. And you're like, when this guy finally shows up, it, they're never going to be able to match the buildup. And then this guy walks in the room and you're like, oh, you guys, you nailed it. <laughs> Intimidating and threatening, you got it. But in this movie, he does a little bit of that, but all in all, he's a great guy. And a, a fantastic driving on ice, apparently. Which he is a little nervous to drive on the ice. Sure! And, and, and Bombay goes... Trust me, I know when it's safe to drive on the ice. So when Coach Bombay introduces himself to the players of District 5, the, the children automatically think that he's selling drugs. Which shows that they've never seen or interacted with someone who is a drug seller. I was going to say drug dealer, but I was like, well, I guess a drug dealer would have the money or the person who possesses the drugs and then farms out the work to push, to be the pusher, to push the stuff on the streets. But I mean, what the heck? Well, who's gonna drive up in a limo to kids who don't even have the money to rent rink time? That's gonna be my customer where I'm gonna sell drugs? I can only assume because one of the characters says, you know, kind of like take a hike, buddy. And then Coach Bombay reaches in his jacket pocket 
and they assume he has a gun. Jeez. And he pulls out a list of their names, and they're all relieved, and then they're like, oh, wait, he those are our names. So he goes, you know, Conway, uh, you know, Miller, all these, yeah. the actual last names of the players. I'm like, oh, okay. Coach Bombay asks the players, what happened to your other coach? They said, oh, he hurt his arm, and then one of the players acts out that he had a heart attack. And so I'm like, wow, this is really setting up to be morbid, but it's it's presented in a very humorous way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bombay also tells the kids that he hates hockey and he doesn't like kids. When he asks the players to show me what you got, they tell him, we really suck. We're really terrible. And... Again, the comic relief coming from Bombay. He says, hey, I'll decide who sucks around here. <laughs> <laughs> but they really do suck. Yeah. They're falling down over each other. And the visual of the players, they are wearing all sorts of different mismatched gear. They don't have uniforms. They barely have skates on their feet. Mm-hmm. So we're already given this picture that they are at a disadvantage. Okay. The children then want to get a ride in the limo once sure. they find out he's got a limo. I've never been in a limo before. We want to go for a ride, you know. Uh, and so they get in. They start messing around with stuff, uh, eating the candy, trying to use the car phone that's yeah. in there. And the driver says, I could kill one to set an example. <laughs> Because they're completely out of control. And while they're driving down the ice, we get introduced to Charlie's mom. Yes. That says, get out of there. What are you doing? My son was in there. One crack on that ice. One crack. Which, P.S., I'm on her side. I am too. There's, other than the fact that to create this tension or create this sense of drama, there is no reason for them to drive a limousine on the ice. It's because he is so lazy that he's not going to have him park at the park and then walk through the snow and the ice. He's wearing a suit. That he doesn't care. Uh, yes. Does not care. Yes. About the welfare of I, these children. I guess his point is, is if he indeed did go through the ice and the limo did sink to the bottom of that frozen river. It's a pun! It would not bother him the least because he hates his life. Yes. But at the same time, he has really nice clothes. He's got a A limo driver. A great job. He's been given a limo driver, I assume, by his company. Yeah. Unless he's paying for it out of his own pocket. Because treat yourself. I don't know. P.S. Before we continue, I just want to say, and I think we made it pretty clear at the top, I love this movie, and I have no problems watching it continuously. <laughs> but for the sake of the podcast, and I feel like we're old friends if we're listening together, <laughs> we're having a discussion. So anyway, go ahead. So, And I would not change a thing about this movie, by the way. I think it's perfect the way it is. <laughs> but if we're having a discussion, let's have a discussion. Okay, go ahead. So, because Charlie's mom shows up 
Mm-hmm. She takes Charlie. Mm-hmm. Who is Joshua Jackson. Who is Joshua Jackson. 14 years old at the time of this filming. And practice is then dismissed by her, not by the coach. And Charlie asks Coach Bombay, Coach, are you going to be at the game tomorrow? And his response is, by the order of the state of Minnesota, yes. Great. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. He goes, I, I'm i not here for funsies. I'm here because the court has ordered to be so... I appreciate the honesty and being up front that yeah. he has no desire to be there. And, of course, the first peewee hockey game for District 5, they're playing the Hawks. Yeah. And is that how it works? The best team in the league plays the worst team in the league out the gate? Is that how it works? I don't know. I've never okay. played peewee hockey. Okay. So. Well, that's that's what they're showing us. So. In the ice rink arena, we see all the banners, and all the banners are state championship peewee, and they all say Hawks. That they are the winners. They are the, they reign supreme. They're the dynasty, and there is one banner that stands out, and it is the 1973 peewee runner-up state champion. So they came in second. That is the game that little Gordon Bombay lost for the Hawks. Mm -hmm. We see Coach Riley, again, who looks exactly the same. Not a day has passed. So so Coach Riley is played by actor Lane Smith, and you might recognize him from the film My Cousin Vinny, um, who plays the prosecuting attorney against uh, Joe Pesci's character, which he's so great in it and he's been in a bunch of other things what i love about his character when he's playing coach riley is he always has gum yes and he is chomping on that gum and flicking his shirt collar these are all you know characteristics that he puts in on this character and he's so great so great you believe like when you see him this is the first time you're seeing him in real life, not just in a flashback. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's that guy. I don't like him, and I know I don't like him, and I know he's a jerk. And he just, oh, he's just perfect. He gives you a visceral reaction of like, this guy's a villain. I believe you just hear his voice. Gordon? Gordon? Off camera, and, and Amelia Estevez doesn't even turn around. He just knows the voice and emotion runs through him and he like rolls his eyes in the back of his head. He's just like so trying to prepare himself for having to deal with this person who is part of his emotional trauma. I mean, you feel it. And the first thing he says... I wish they would take that one down. Coach Riley says it, yeah. We're to think that he has not seen or spoken to this, either the two of them. In like since 30 years. he was a child and since he was the overbearing coach. And the first thing he says is he brings up the source of trauma. It's just like, dude, what the, what, why? And he also... 
asks why he's there, come to see your old coach, huh? And he goes, no. And he goes, oh, you got a son on the team? All, no. val all valid questions, by the way. No. Um, I need to be of service to the state of Minnesota. And he goes, oh, okay. Like, I get that's why it makes sense that you would be coaching the District 5 team. Mm -hmm. And then he says, good luck. You're going to need it. Because then we find out, oh, of course, my first game that I'm coaching ever is against my old coach. And it's the Hawks, the number one team in all of the state of Minnesota. Oh. So the Hawks, you already, the visualization is the Hawks are well, highly trained, very organized, matching uniforms. The gear, the equipment that they all have, it's the best of the best, the upper echelon, which I would believe that a state champion hockey team for years and years and years, the reigning state champions from what we can see by the banners on the wall, have won every year in the existence, except for 1973, which is when they came in second place. And then we see District that, 5. That, that they would have local sponsorships. Yes. And then District 5, the players literally have ragtag uniforms. Like, with long, like long johns. And they have spray-painted D5 on them. <laughs> they have electrical tape making, spelling out D5 on their shirts. Oh, man. And it is a hot Mess. And we and some of you might be saying, well, why couldn't they just go to the local heat press iron-on transfer shop and get them on? You know what, guys? That's expensive. That's that's sure it's cheaper than embroidery, but still that costs money. The, and it costs by the letter. And the Hawks jerseys are custom. Yeah. They have their last names on the back of their jerseys. Yeah. Which I will I I was going to mention this later, but I'll mention it now. In the film, the Hawks and the Ducks are the only two Peewee teams in this district that have custom jerseys. They're the only two teams that have their names on the back. Which, again, because they're both teams that end up being sponsored, I know how much it costs to get a custom jersey made. It is very expensive. And... I, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But and the fact I'm, that when when Banks joins the team, they have to overnight in 24 hours get a custom made jersey with his name on it. But right. But we're getting ahead of how I get feel Banks, like so. in that situation, what they're not saying is that Gordon Bombay personally pays for it because it's just one in uniform, so he right. could probably foot that bill. Maybe. But yeah, I, I see your point. So, at the very least, he would. I feel like he should have just had a jersey that had no name on the back, which we or do a blank, have. because how could they? Yeah, you see the parents in the stands wearing the jerseys. Was it also a fundraiser? So that's that's what I was thinking about the other day. I when I walked past because Kara was watching it to write her notes down. I, I noticed that when the, the team, the Ducks, get their fancy uniforms, when they pan to the crowd, the parents in the stands are wearing 
logo hats, logo logo t-shirts that match the kids' uniforms. And I was like, wait a minute, so we have a merch stand now? And I was like, well, maybe when they're putting in their order at the custom gear company, they have to get practice warm-ups. And they probably said, sent a flyer home with the kids and say, hey, hey, parents, would you be interested in putting putting your order now? Because they're going to print it at the same time. We'll get a better deal. Um, they're not going to print them again. So if you want gear, this is your only chance. Because the players also have Ducks hockey bags. Right. That they carry all their stuff in. Yeah. So. It's a whole swag deal. Yeah. It's yeah. called a spirit pack. Yeah. Probably Justin's or something like that. <laughs> the, American apparel. The people that make the class rings or whatever. So the Hawks beat the ever-living bananas out of district five which they should if they're the number one team and these are the worst and these kids are the absolute worst who can barely skate i mean they should just wipe the floor which they do it'd be like um was was it when um racehorses they purposely race the best horse against the worst horse in practice rounds to build its confidence it's like yeah that's that that's what's going on so, Coach Bombay asked the team, you think losing is funny? But, well, and that's because one of the characters, his first name is Les, Les Averman, but everybody calls him by his last name, Averman. And his characteristic is that he's funny. He's a funny guy. But he also has a way of taking people's names and making it funny. The rich, the rich meister, swinging the puck, missing it, falling on his face. That whole cadence, and it's just like, no newsflash to anyone else of the time, but that's a complete and utter ripoff of the Saturday Night Live character created by Rob Schneider. The making copies. The making copies skit, who his character's name is Rich, the Rich Richmeister, where the character sits in an office and his desk happens to be in the middle of an open area next to the Xerox machine. And so he's so lonely for human contact that whenever anyone from the office comes to make copies on the Xerox machine, his only way of initiating conversation is doing a play on the person's name. Nancy, making copies, because she needs more than one duplication. It's a whole thing, guys, but it that skit started in 1991, and he did that skit until 1993. It was a huge deal. So this movie being made in 1992, that was an established pop culture phenomenon and I could, I did research for this, and I could find no evidence on the internet where Rob Schneider or Saturday Night Live raised issue with the makers of this film, when clearly this child, this character, completely and utterly ripped it off and is using it as his sole character trait, 
Which I guess probably Rob Schneider was like, I don't care. If anything, people just know it's me because who else? Because it's so obvious. So he was probably he probably just took it as a form of flattery, I would assume. And that's what little kids do, as you would know. Little kids, whenever they hear a joke or you know see something that they think is right, they just repeat it nonstop. And are, so I, I guess everybody was like, ah, it's fine. We don't need to drag the law into this. But I understand why Coach Bombay gets so infuriated. I mean, there's steam coming out of his ears because his whole life is about winning. And he had to sit there and watch these kids fall over and lose and get their butts kicked. And yes, it is the first game of the season. But it's the, as Heather mentioned, it's the first time he's interacting with his former coach, who's also all about winning because the motto and to, to get the kids going, the Hawks go, win, 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 win. And there's another cheer. It's not worth winning if, if you, you can't, can't win big. You yeah. got to go for the W. That's right. So, but also at the same time, let me just say, He's technically, I wouldn't say he's their coach. He's not a coach yet. He's just he some just guy. did a meet and greet yesterday. He, he has no emotional connection to him. He hasn't imparted any knowledge or skill whatsoever. So, the fact that he's so angry, I think, is more about reliving the trauma in real time with his jerk coach so that's what's that's what's making him angry and he uses the winning thing as an excuse and he knows now for 500 hours he's going to have to endure losing over and over again right and again he says why won't you just listen to me i tell you to keep your heads up you put them down i tell you to escape to go faster you go slower why the hell won't you listen to me and Two of the players who are listening to this go, why the hell should we? Which, to your point, is he has done nothing to be a coach. It's it, I, There's no emotional investment by him or the players. And so that is the turning point of when he goes, oh, kind of puts him in check and goes, oh, yeah, you're right. So that's the two brothers, Jesse Hall and Terry Hall, are the, we presume, twins. I think they're brothers. Well, they're brothers, but, but they are look very similar in age. Up. They're both in middle school. All, so, the kids on the, all the kids on in the peewee hockey go to the same elementary school, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the one brother, Jesse, played by Brandon Adams, he's also in the Sandlot. Yes. And his brother, Terry Hall, is played by the actor Jesse Smollett. No. <laughs> no, it's not. I was printing out the actor list and character list of this film, and I was like, oh my. Is it really? Oh, boy. Oh, it's his origin story, Heather. Yep. Um, this is also the... The character that we get introduced to a Minnesota phrase referring to rich people of 
cake eater. So, okay. So Kara was, as we were preparing, Kara was writing down different phrases that the children use in this movie. And the character Jesse Hall, played by Brandon Adams, who's very outspoken. If he sees injustice happening, he speaks up, which good for him. He's very confident. And most of the time, he's kind of right. Um, he, when he doesn't like something that Gordon Bombay is doing, or he has a problem with Adam Banks. We haven't gotten to him yet, but. So the, the go-to insult of Jesse Hall is to use the phrase, call someone a cake eater. And Kara's like, I don't know what that means. And I go, I have no idea what it means. And I never knew what it meant. But he says it with such hate. When he says it, he like spits it at you. Cake eater. And I'm like, okay, I cake is a good thing. Eating a cake is great. Why is this an insult? And I always thought it meant, because he always said it to other boys, I always thought it meant something like, equating the boy that he's insulting as being very soft or feminine and very squishy and and that would be an insult and i was like uh, okay that's kind of weird i don't get it but kara you did some investigating a cake eater is a minnesota term for people who live in the suburbs of minneapolis specifically the city of indina and it is a person that lives in that suburb that is so rich that they can, quote, have their cake and eat it too. It makes sense that Jesse says it with such a negative emotion and disdain towards the two wealthy characters, bon Coach Bombay and... Adam, Adam Banks. Banks, because they're the wealthier characters, and we know that Jesse Hall and his brother are of not an affluent yeah, family he... because we have an interaction with their father mm -hmm. who says, this is what I'm using my overtime pay for. And I was like, man, that hits a little differently now, being older. Because, obviously, he wants them to participate in sports and be on a team. But it's not worth it. I could be spending this money on something else. Cake? I, I guess. <laughs> but cake eater is a specific, again, specific term to Minnesota. Yeah, I'd never heard of it in my life. Um, another uh, child actor who's on part of the team, uh, the character name is Dave Carp, and he's one of the heavier set kids. Goldberg obviously is the, go the goalie. Is the goalie, but then uh, they have a, uh, the other kid. For s somehow during play, he gets it like I think he gets a concussion. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, that actor, his name is Aaron Schwartz. And he's also in the film Heavyweights. Yes. And then, of course, there's the redhead from The Adventures of Pete and Pete, 
the younger one. He's who, in there. Who has a sister who's a figure skater. Yes. Which I appreciate so much. There are two female <clears throat> peewee hockey players, which I feel is very progressive. Yeah. For 1992, we have two athletic young ladies mm -hmm. on this team, and they don't treat them any different. Well, so Connie is the brunette. Um, Tammy is the sister of Tommy. Uh, Tammy is a figure skater. Coach Bombay asks Tommy to ask his sister to be on the team because he sees that she's an experienced skater. And she doesn't really necessarily want to be on the team at first, um, but she joins. And then Connie, who she, she wants to play hockey. She's also kind of dating one of the other players. Mm -hmm. But, again, they're like in elementary school, junior high, so they're not really dating. They're just hanging out. Like, maybe holding hands. They do when they, do when they go to the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, we also have our other main character, who is the physically strongest character, oh, is man. Fulton Reed. Yes. He's amazing. Fulton Reed is kind of like this mega athlete that all the other kids see him but they don't interact with him because they think he's big and scary and strong and the reason why he doesn't quote play sports or hockey is there's a rumor that he has been offered multiple scholarships to play football um, and then we find out when Fulton breaks Gordon Bombay's window by shooting hockey pucks in an alley that the reason why he doesn't play hockey is because he doesn't know how to skate. Mm -hmm. And then that's also a slapstick comedy is that he ends up learning how to rollerblade in a mall. Yeah. Which, of course, because then the hilarity of he goes down a flight of stairs, he runs into people shopping, he pushes an old lady into a fountain. And then the only actor that we are given a name for the Hawks is Adam Banks. Mm -hmm. Um, and Adam Banks is played by Vincent LaRusso. And while I was doing research on this, Adam Banks was played by a different child actor. They got into production, and the child who was playing Adam Banks was so difficult to work with, they fired him. He's been a real Adam Banks, he huh? was. Well, I, I guess, uh, and was replaced. Wow! Brava for Vincent because he was another hawk, hockey player, and he already had the uniform and he was already getting paid to be there. And they go, "Hey, you've got a nice face." Oh yeah, You're and he did, him. he did a great job. He's so genuine. You believe everything. He's thrown at you. You totally believe it. So he did a great job. Yes. One of the other um, actors of the team, the character Peter, who is the very tiny leather jacket wearing, backwards baseball cap, very sassy, he's also, little tough guy. He's also got, he has a flannel shirt tied around his waist. Yes, yes. And he's got cut off fingerless gloves. Yes. I, well. I love it. Love it. So he's very um, outspoken as well. Uh, that is the actor J.D. Daniels. And he was in 
he got a lot of work as a child. He also appeared on Full House. He also appeared on The Nanny. And he was a voice on the cartoon Gargoyles for Disney during the entire run of the series. Nice. So he was great. So Fulton joins the team after the season is up and running, but we are officially see the interactions of him at the beginning of the season when all of the team finds a box of playboys in the alley oh jeez and beats up the hawk players so we already see that the hawks and the district five team have beef with each other off the ice Mm -hmm. in everyday life which i don't even understand why the hawks are the number one team and the ducks oh excuse me district five they don't even have a name yet are they're so bad they don't even have a name why why just be good just just score goals. Just don't even talk to them. Why? Why? Because they're just a bunch of cake eaters, Heather. I guess so. I guess so. Good Lord. So we get... We get... <laughs> oh, we cut to practice. Coach Bombay is going to teach District 5. Well, if you can't score goals, we're going to practice falls and pretending to be hurt and we're just going to take penalty shot the next game after practicing dives and falls. Even the ref is like, seriously, just just play. Uh, you're, the next dive, the next fall, I'm just going to have you forfeit the game. And Coach Bombay is like, I'm insulted by that. And then we get introduced to Charlie's heart and soul is that Coach Bombay tells him to cheat or pretend he's hurt, and he tells him, no, you can't make me cheat. I love that screenshot of this part of the film because no matter what, it takes a lot of guts to stand up to your coach and say no. Sure. He just says no. When Coach Bombay sees his old friend from childhood Hans owner of Hans Sport Chalet mm-hmm. and they have a beautiful interaction and we get more of Coach Bombay's origin story we find out that Gordon Bombay's father died the same season that he lost the state championship hockey game we also learn from Hans Coach Bombay in 1973 scored 198 goals that season and it was a shame that he quit and gordon's response is yeah i could have gone all the way sarcastically and han said no it's a shame you quit because you really loved to play you really flew on that ice gordon and you're like oh my god (laughs) And we get the lovely phrase and quote that Heather and I use all the time when I get new sneakers. Hans gives Coach Bombay a new pair of skates, guesses his wrong size, and his response is... Wear thick socks, Gordon. Enjoy them. 
Which he instantly <coughs> goes out on the pond. Yeah. Laces them up, does the ta- the triple tap when he pulls down those uh, elastic band sweatpants with <laughs> the skates. And he flies on that ice. He really does. And are we led to believe that he has not skated since he quit? It's like riding and a bike. And was he that good that he could put on a pair of skates 30 years later and be like, oh, yeah, it's like riding a bike. So to that point, perhaps, but I got to tell you guys, as Kara said, at the beginning, we used to rollerblade. When it was the heyday of rollerblading, inline skating, um, Kara and I, we rollerbladed all the time. And I don't know that you would say we were incredible at it, but we were good. Good we enough that we, that we were fast. We didn't fall. We still wore all the protective gear. We would uh, slingshot each other. Uh huh. So on I the mean, bikes. so yeah, we were good. The reason I tell you this is because, you know, like, like I haven't rollerbladed since. <laughs> we'll be generous and say high school, and so at the beginning of this quarantine, you know, to get exercise, I was like, I'm gonna order. A pair of rollerblades because I was really good at it and like they say once you ride a, ride a bike you never forget I was like I was really good at rollerblading I've rollerbladed all the time I'm gonna get rollerblades so I get the rollerblades and they're very nice and they fit you guys um, did you wear thick socks I wore the correct thickness of socks and I tried to rollerblade, guys, and um, it was going good for a little bit. And um, then I fell really hard, and it hurt. And I was like, well, that's that's the one fall out of the way. I'm okay. Got to do it at least once, right? Getting your feet back. And then I started going again, going good, and I fell a second time. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. I don't need rollerblades in my life anymore rollerblades are clearly saying to me you had your time and it was fun but you know what no and so when you say he probably hadn't ice skated in since he was the child and then he put those skates back on no I think uh, he would have fallen immediately you know when you get the stutter step and you (laughs) start Don't freak out. Don't freak out. And then he just like you're like you're slipping on marbles. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. The first time I felt nobody saw. <laughs> oh, but that second time. The second time everybody saw. And I was like, no, 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 oh, thank you. So oh. after we see Coach Bombay fly across the ice. We're, we're transported back in time. Oh. And we get a snapshot of him skating on that same pond. Mm. Practicing with his 
really long scarf in oh. his hockey, his Hawks uniform, practicing how he wins the state championship. He said, Gordon Bombay, and he shoots, he scores! And then we see his dad say, oh, great shot, Gordy! And how he asks for more time. Can we? Can I have just five more minutes? And he goes, ah, get out there. <laughs> and that is the emotional connection that we have of probably the reason why he stopped skating is because his father died. Mm -hmm. And he chooses to try out his new skates on that pond because we know it's the same pond because of that very distressed park bench mm. that is next to the pond um which then triggers his need to apologize to charlie mm. for what he said and what he tried to have him do at the game after coach bombay apologizes to charlie and his mother gordon then goes to mr ducksworth his boss for a donation of $15,000 to equip his team to compete because I know that you want me to learn about teamwork, fair play, and all that fair junk, but it's hard to be taken seriously when you have issues of the National Enquirer strapped to your shins. And why should they be taken seriously when they look like they're a hot mess. Mm -hmm. So Ducksworth gives him the money because, come on, I'll get your own jersey, which I love swag and I love personalized gear, which I will purchase at a drop of a hat at any time at any sporting event. If you tell me it can be personalized with my name, I just shut up and take my money. So Ducksworth gives Coach Bombay $15,000. Which I'm sure he gets a tax write-off. Right. And he gets his own jersey. Yeah. And, and again, because his name is Ducksworth. The hockey team is now the Ducks because he'll get great press for giving back to the community. And he is a lawyer that works for the law firm. And look at all the goodwill that we're doing for the community. And of course, Gordon Bombay then spends the, all $15,000 at his buddy's sports shop. Which is so great. It was before the internet, guys. You didn't just pop online and, you know, find out the best price. So that's really great. And the, he, team, yeah. the team goes on a shopping spree to, of course, Marky Mark and the Funny, Funky Bunch. Good vibrations. <laughs> Such a sweet sensation. So after we spend all the monies at Hans's shop and have a great old time, we're going to go back to basics and practice and learn the ABCs of ice hockey, of how to skate, and we get introduced to the idea of soft hands, that you receive the pass, you accept it, concentration, not strength. Yeah, there's a lot of Karate Kid-esque mantras um, that we're learning to reinforce those principles. They're using raw eggs in the shell because you should be gentle enough that you won't break it when you're passing it. 
Which I appreciate learning as someone who doesn't play hockey. I'm like, oh, well, that totally makes sense that you don't stop the puck or stop the pass. You accept it. Because it would ricochet. Yes. Following practicing the basics, the Ducks play a game. They end up tying. They only have to win one game to make the playoffs because the only teams that don't make playoffs are the the bottom two teams. And one of them got the measles. So they forfeit. So they forfeit. So that means there is one team that is worse than District 5. Than District 5. Which we were led to believe was an impossibility. But somehow, there you go. And also... When Hans is explaining that, and Gordon Bombay is surprised by this news, I'm like, this was your life. This was your obsession. Was everybody your, good when you played in the 70s? Well, not just that, but but why wouldn't Gordon Bombay know this when he, this was his life? But then again, he was on the best team. the best team, so why would he know that? And we also found out that the district lines had been redrawn mm. and that you would no longer be a hawk. You would, in fact, be a duck. You would be in District 5. And that is how we get Adam Banks from the Hawks because Adam Banks is playing for the wrong team based on his home address. He doesn't want to play with the Ducks because all his little friends are Hawks. Well, not only that, but the team that he has played for this entire season. Well, no, his whole life. Is is the, the Hawks. So every goal that he's made or assisted or helped the team, every win, that's partially his. And so when he's told that he's no longer part of the Hawks he's going to become with this completely new team I mean it's devastating it's like all that he's worked for is being ripped away and told that he is not valid and it's not his so yeah it's a big deal and it's devastating and his father says he would rather not play than play for the Ducks and Adam's reaction was like oh wait a minute I would I still want to play hockey it's going to suck, but I still want to play. So we end up getting Adam Banks. And, of course, the entire Ducks team is not accepting of him. But they end up accepting him because he scores a goal. And they're like, yay! Way to go, Adam! So he becomes part of the team because they realize, holy cow, we could win a few games. And they win the game... Win one, tie one, and then all the rest are losses. They make the playoffs because now they have Adam on their team. And it also doesn't matter that the Hawks don't have Adam Banks anymore. Even though he is their number one scorer, the Hawks is a whole team of Adam Banks. So there's that. Um, We also have the conversation with Charlie in the diner where... Coach Bombay tells Charlie his origin story about making the playoffs and losing. Charlie looks at the big picture of, 
at least you were there. How cool was it that you got to play in that game? Not even focusing on the win or loss or anything like that. He just goes, wow, how cool and amazing was that that you got to play in that game? And that's how I approach a lot of really big events and games when I'm coaching. That he lost the game. A quarter of an inch, Charlie. A quarter of an inch. I would have won. And everything would have been fine. And then Charlie's response is, yeah, but a quarter of an inch the other way. You would have missed it completely. Mm-hmm. And Coach Bombay says, I never thought of it that way. He only saw it in one light. And then once you see that other perspective is that it doesn't matter. Coach Bombay tells Charlie that he's going to quit. He's going to turn the team over. He gets Charlie gets very upset. He cries and runs away. He says, we're your team. We're the Ducks and you're stuck with us. Mm-hmm. And um, when he says that, he's also bundling his emotions of abandonment of his own. His, own, you know, we don't really know if his father passed away. No, he left. Or, or he left? Okay. He left. So he's bundling those emotions of being abandoned by his father by being abandoned by Coach Bombay. It's a whole issue. Um, but the reason that Coach Bombay, Gordon, says he's going to quit is because he loses the trust of the team and um, Terry's father, who's working nights, says he'll take over coaching because the kids know him and can he's going to take over the rest of the season because <clears throat> Coach Bombay and Coach Riley have a big argument and the kids overhear conveniently over only half of the conversation and feel that Coach Bombay has betrayed them didn't deserve to live which that whole thing it's kind of like and charlie when he's crying tells coach bombay if you said something and they misinterpreted it it's your job to tell them what you actually meant which i agree i mean charlie's operating at next level intellect here he's a very glasses half full kind of guy and he's very smart and he's so sweet and he could cry at the drop of a hat he's working he's he plays this movie to 11 he's doing a great job we cut to coach bombay having a meeting with mr ducksworth and we find that it's a meeting with his boss with coach riley and Adam Banks' dad, they're all in cahoots with each other. And they tell him, no, Adam's going to play with the Hawks. He'll stay with the Hawks. They won't have to forfeit any games that he plays in. And we will, quote, redraw the district lines next year. Yeah, it's a whole gerrymandering scheme. And, and Coach Bombay is like, wait, you guys cut a deal with the Pee Wee Hockey League? And then we get to the root of the story, and a quote for a coach to live by is Bombay reveals something that his father told him before he died, that a team isn't a bunch of kids out to win. 
A team is something that you belong to. It's something you feel. And it's something you have to earn. And Ducksworth, you didn't earn that jersey. That's a great speech. And it's worthy of a plaque. And I like the speech. And I agree with the speech. Here's my problem. Gordon Bombay is saying that. Could you not say, if you really believed that, why are you tearing Adam Banks from the team that he has emotionally bonded with, has been in the trenches with, has won all these games and has clawed their way with their little talons and their little sticks to the top of the heap to be the number one team going to the tournament and you show up on a technicality and are ripping him away from his teammates and from a title and accolades that he has earned. You're tearing them away just so you could have a little extra secret sauce in your ragtag team to maybe possibly squeaking out a victory. It's kind of like, mm, I agree that with that message, maybe you should say it into the mirror. Sorry. I mean, poor Adam Banks. I mean, he's going to be crying into his cake. You know he is. <laughs> so, Gordon loses his job over this. Yes. But his community service has been fulfilled. Yes. His time is up, luckily. You are free to come back to work. Well, guess what? I don't like your policies, Mr. Ducksworth. You can... He, he quacks at Mr. Ducksworth. Quacks out of the meeting, out of the building. Um, and says that I will not withdraw my protest for Adam to play with the Ducks. And if Adam plays with the Hawks, every game that he plays in, they will have to forfeit. Right. Which is everything to Coach Riley... So he knows that Adam's got to go mm -hmm. because he can't forfeit a game. He needs to keep that untarnished record. Mm -hmm. And then in another heartfelt, motivational, rah-rah speech to the team as to why he's so gung-ho about having Adam Banks on their team, he says, I can't remember the exact line of dialogue, but basically he says, he should have been on our team the whole year. The whole year. You guys as a team are the ones who've been cheated. Him being a part of the team and raising our talent. Which, yes, I agree. And that's a way of tying it up and uh, sweetening the reason of ripping this child away from his friends. And it goes feeds back into the beginning of the movie where he is supposed to, the whole reason he's supposed to be the coach is to learn about fair play. fair play, which is following the rules. And Adam Banks ends up making friends with a whole new bunch of kids that he might not have otherwise met, which I guess widens his horizons in um, understanding people that are not exactly like you. So we get into playoffs due to Fulton Reed's one-to-one -one shot ratio going from five to one out of five to one out of one which by the way 
we get into playoffs and then the state finals, it is the most attendance I have ever seen for a sporting event that is not at the professional level. It is it is packed, jam packed, and they all are wearing jerseys and gear. And who knew that pee wee hockey in Minnesota was so popular? In the finals, of course, we see the Ducks play the Hawks, and the Ducks are doing pretty well and holding their own. Coach Riley tells two of the Hawk players to essentially drop Banks like a bad habit to take him out of the game because Coach Riley knows the only way that they'll win is by taking out their best player, which is Adam. When the Hawks are beating the Ducks 3-0, to zero, he gets taken out and essentially gets a spinal cord injury where he gets carted off of the ice by a gurney. And it's like, dude, this kid might be paralyzed. I, that's really uncool. The response of some of the Hawk players to the kid that checks him is what did you do and he says my job and i go that kid needs to get arrested and go to juvie he only gets put in the penalty box for two minutes fulton reed does something not even close to that in the finals and he gets ejected from the game and i go okay how is that fair that doesn't make any sense coach bombay as they get closer to tying the game and to win Let's have fun out there, because that is the name of the game. More fun, more fun. And we get introduced to the Flying V and the Statue of Liberty play. Which, by the way, the Flying V, I've had many people who have played hockey tell me that it that is a completely illegal formation for ice hockey. Most of the players are offsize, so... The fact that there's all these penalties being called, but not being called on the Flying V doesn't make any sense, but okay. Charlie gets checked when time runs out, and the referee tells Coach Bombay that he gets a penalty shot with no time left. And Charlie, who is nicknamed Spazway by the team... Coach Bombay tells Charlie, you are going to take the shot. And they go, no, have Fulton do it. Have all these other people do it. And the reason why I believe that Coach Bombay picks Charlie to take the penalty shot is because he is now in the same position that he was when he was a kid. And Charlie knows his origin story. And tells Charlie, no matter what, I believe in you, win or lose. Oh. Which, it's like, you mean if I miss this shot, you're letting the whole team down and you're letting me down too? No. Win or lose, I believe in you. So, we get the triple deke. <laughs> and it hits the post and it goes in. Winning the state championship, beating the Hawks 5-4, to four, the trophy is huge, as it should be for a state final championship. Coach Bombay has now redeemed himself over Coach Riley. His demons are now put to rest. Would you say that they've been put on ice? So we see the conclusion of the film 
Coach Bombay is now going to, going to go fulfill his dreams of playing a major league hockey team and trying out for the minor leagues. And he says, I must be crazy. I'm going to be trying out with guys who are half my age. Which, by the way, I looked it up. The actual age of Emilio Estevez when he filmed this movie was he was 30 years old. No. Yes. He was 30 years old. So I doubt that 15-year-olds would be <laughs> trying out. They had to be at least 18. <laughs> right. And But I get it. It's just a thing that you say. And he's getting on a bus, a Greyhound bus. The whole team is giving him little nuggets of knowledge motivation motivation as he goes to the tryouts of in god's sake soft hands remember strength not concentration (laughs) because he's dumb and he can get things mixed up and yeah that's from fulton reed and uh of course we see charlie at the end of the line and his mother and charlie says and remember have fun Coach Bombay kisses Charlie's mom in front of everybody, and he is shocked. And we're like, dude, you've been going over to Charlie's house and having dinner with him and his mom this whole season. What did you... You've been praying that this would be happening the whole time. But it's fine. It's innocent. They're kids. They're kids. Then, as he gets on the bus, he says to the kids, no matter what happens... We've got a title to defend. And they're like, yeah! So excited. And so it sets it up for a sequel. And as we know, they did. Part two and part three. Is it the most perfect live-action Disney sports film? Some say it is so. Some say that it is the mightiest of Disney sport films. I love this movie so much that whenever it is on TV, I stop whatever it is I'm doing and I will watch it. doesn't matter what part it is on, I will watch it and I love it. I would have liked to have attended, attended the St. Paul Winter Carnival that they went to in Rice Park in Minnesota because they do have an ice sculpture contest every year mm. and they do build an ice castle but the year that they were filming in 1992 they had an abnormally warm January and the ice castle became very thin and brittle from melting and they couldn't film inside because it could have collapsed at any moment. Oh bummer they could have had a real Dr. Zhivago situation. Yes and I would also like to mention that Joshua Jackson, who then got to be on Dawson's Creek, mm-hmm. he, in the credits, and a friend pointed this out to me years ago, and I hadn't watched the credits all the way through in hardly ever until I rewatched it the other day to do my notes. In the credits at the end of the film, Charlie Conway... In the credits is referred to as Charlie Conroy. Someone was typing so fast because again we this was filmed, edited in the can, and released to the public in ten months. Wow. From start to finish and viewing on screen to the public. 
they didn't catch the, the clerical error of Johnny Conroy. Is that the one clerical error? The one loss that <gasps> Gordon was talking about at the beginning of the movie? Easter egg. That was a clerical error. This has been episode 12 of I'm Not Complaining. I'm just asking. This episode may have been a whittle long. But at least you learned a little more about fair play and all that junk. And to go for the W. That's right, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to have fun. If you get the chance, why not stop off and have some cake? (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to the Mighty Ducks, the people of Minnesota, and our favorite all-time coach, Emilio Estevez. Emilio! Emilio!